Welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. As I promised, I am Nate, even though I'm no longer the executive pastor at Grace <laughs> Church. I'm here with Sung Kim, who is still the lead pastor of Grace Church. And uh, this podcast. But I'm still just Sung. Too. That's right. He is still just Sung. If you see him in the grocery store, you don't have to be intimidated. He's a normal guy, and just don't like call you. Me pastor. <laughs> Reverend. Uh, so. We're in this uh, season, this third season of our podcast, we're calling No Easy Answers because we're tackling difficult or confusing issues um, that people are finding in the Bible. We've had a lot of listeners write in asking specific questions, and that's so fun to be able to answer like real-life questions that people have. So if you have those, feel free to keep sending them. We'll just keep trying to answer them as best mm-hmm. we can. Yep. Um, so what do we got today, Song? Well, just let me say, first off, we don't edit these. That's right. It's total stream of consciousness. It is. And um, we used to do this way back in season one where we used to talk a little bit about what we're talking about. Yeah. But you come in not knowing anything. Every week is a surprise. <laughs> so it makes it fun. Yeah, and, it's good. And really spontaneous. Cause my, and because my questions are legitimate. They're legitimately <laughs> questions I have in the moment. Yeah. So this this is a good one, and uh, it'll probably be a two part series. Okay, it's a big one. It's a big one, All maybe right. even three, but we'll we'll, we'll say two. Oh, man. Okay, you're uh, worrying me, but I'm I'm ready. Okay, so my brother in law just came out to my wife's family. Okay, and all of a sudden, the whole LGBTQ issue is a lot more real to me. John 1, 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And his question is, when does truth come into the conversation? Um, And he says, if I'm loving them and not judging them, doesn't love also require that I tell them that their behavior is wrong? Doesn't love also require that I intervene in some shape or form? So I'm going to jump in real quick. All right. Because one of the things that I think is important to put out there right at the top is that this person clearly has uh, an opinion on whether or not homosexuality is a sin. Mm-hmm. They believe that it is. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put out there again with no easy answers that there are lots of people who do earnestly love Jesus that believe otherwise. Yep. They believe that that homosexuality is okay mm-hmm. um, and that it is not a sin and people can embrace it because that's how God made them. So we're, so we're answering this person's question and they're coming from a very, very specific framework. And there are people that at the very beginning would say, well, I, <laughs> that's not where I start from. Right. You know, mm-hmm. So I think, and and even delineating those two sides, I think it's really important, whether it's this issue or any other issue, that, you know, in that passage, Jesus, it comes as a gracious, but also very intrusive and disruptive presence. And and I would say that Jesus would challenge both affirming and non-affirming sides of this conversation. And when I say that, affirming meaning those people who affirm uh, LGBTQ lifestyle and the non-affirming means those who don't. I would say he would challenge both sides of this conversation. And, you know, in a lot of debates, I think Jesus would challenge uh, 
both positions of every issue. He did tend to do that, right? Like people would sort of put in the one that I think of is when um, the Pharisees are trying to trick him and they get and they're like, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Mm -hmm. Right. Which is a very controversial issue, especially in the religious community. And he's like, hey, give me a coin. And they give him a coin, and he looks at the coin, and he says, whose picture is on that coin? And they're like, well, it's Caesar. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God's what is God's, which is like not taking, he's like not putting himself in either yeah. camp that they yeah. were expecting, yeah. either being sort of pro-Roman uh, rule or sort of pro-Israel independence. Yeah. He and, kind of says something in the middle. And in some ways, it's a non-answer answer, but it's it's a really great, it is an answer. Mm-hmm. It's a great mm-hmm. answer. Um, and he, Jesus was the master of that. Um, we have certain questions that are really important to us. Yeah. And Jesus says, you know, we're in my kingdom that, that that's not the question. Mm, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So uh, I, I want to answer this or talk about this kind of, uh, from a sideways, si- from a side door a little bit. Okay. And that's, um, and, and I think as we talk about this, um, more and more, will come out, but I hear, a, uh, there's a phrase that I hear over and over again, and, and a lot of times, especially in the LGBTQ conversation, which is, and you've heard this too, love the sinner, hate the sin. Um, yeah, I've and, heard that. Yeah, and it tries to bring this idea of grace and truth together, um, but really it becomes a very reductionistic cliche. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I- instead of saying, I don't know how to deal with this situation and, and I feel this tension, they try to make it a kind of a duality, different categories. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and oftentimes the two sides uh, and definition is important here because people will say, well, grace means accepting people where they're at and truth means letting them know what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, and there is certainly a place for grace and truth. But I just want to, like, why do we rush into the truth part? Uh, yeah, the, the phrase hate the sinner, I'm sorry, <laughs> hate the sin, love the <laughs> sinner, has always felt like a justification, like, I need to hate something. Yeah. So this is, so, and again, God hates sin, like, he says that very clearly, but um, I, I it always feels like it's used as an excuse for people to hate others in a way that they can justify. That's been my experience. If that's where you're at, like we can talk about it offline, but that's always been my experience. Yeah. So it's almost as if the greatest fear of those who are non-affirming is that they are seen as condoning sin Ah. instead of being seen as unloving. Mm. Right. Right. They they fear uh, like, okay, people are going to think I'm compromising, condoning it, and so I'll just act in a way that's very unloving. They're, they're more afraid of that than yeah. like being seen as unloving. And, and Jesus was okay getting the rap of condoning sin yeah. to the point where the Pharisees are like, why, why do you eat with those people? Right, right. And he did that for the sake of loving people. Mm. So that's just kind of right off the bat, like uh, just a question. Why, why like we, uh, again, that is how Jesus showed up in truth. Yep. But we just want to jump to that. Yeah. Almost yeah. as if we want, like, okay, yeah, 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 we love the sinner. <laughs> but let's get to the part I really want to talk about, yeah, which yeah. is hating the sin. I think the other mm. thing that I, I wonder is, why do we assume that telling the truth will somehow suddenly change somebody's mind? Mm. Like, that does happen. Yeah. Um, 
but with a topic that is so politicized and entrenched where there's suspicion and hate on both sides, is this the best way we should go about it? Especially when it involves um, like a one-time, uh, one-sided, mm. it's not even a conversation. Yeah, It's just like, hey, Nate, I love you, but I hate this. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, that is a, that's a hard question, but that's like, why do we do that? Sung, tell us. <laughs> well, and, and I'll say, I'm going to go back and forth. So I, I do think part of the, the, the reason this comes up is, uh, you know, in our culture, um, I think this phrase comes out of the sense that homosexual, homosexual behavior is not only being pushed, but it's tolerated and celebrated in our culture. And, and so it, the non-affirming crowd uh, believes that they have to somehow distinguish um, themselves from that. Or sort of stand against the tide mm-hmm. or something like by, that. By saying, well, no, we mm-hmm. don't accept it. Okay. And so uh, uh, the question is then, if you're not going to affirm and approve, how should you not approve? Mm. And, and when and how and where and why do you make that disapproval known? Mm. Um, so can I say one other, one other yeah. reason that I have observed that I, I think, uh, one of the reasons that this is why people feel like they need to speak out against it so strongly, mm-hmm. my observation. Um, and it comes from a sermon that, uh, my previous pastor in Detroit preached about homosexuality and the, the illustration that he used was and I think you and I have talked about this, the woman who comes to Jesus with the issue of blood. Mm. Essentially, she she constantly had her period. And in that time, that was considered unclean. And the way that the the Old Testament law painted it was that anything she touched was unclean. In other words, her uncleanness was spread to others. Yeah. She has an encounter with Jesus. She touches his robe. According to the law, right. she should have made Jesus unclean. unclean. And what happened instead was that the purity and the power of God flowed the other way and purified her. And I think that there is a tendency when it comes to issues of sin. Um, and I would say, I, I, think, I, think the, I think the homosexuality issue is one where it happens a lot, but I think it happens in other places. There is this, we operate, the, the natural order feels like um, like pollutant is what spreads. Yeah. Uh, we see that in the natural order. If you a polluted stream pollutes a lake, which yeah. pollutes the fish, you know, like we, that's how it goes. And so we, for us to operate in that makes sense in some ways. But I think the message of Jesus is that is that it is that in the kingdom it flows the other way. Right. And so. People sometimes feel like, I need to stop this evil from spreading. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of rooted in a misunderstanding of how the kingdom of God works mm-hmm. in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. So that's another thing. Yeah, that I see. And there's a sense sometimes, uh, this issue and others, that I need to defend God. Yeah. And if I don't stem the tide then like you're saying, the pollutant is going to go out. And, and you know, um, and, and we know that the culture wars of in, in, in from the church, from the whatever decade, it was that the 80s or 90s? Yeah, like 80s and it, 90s, it's, yeah. It's mm-hmm. just, that's not the way to go, right? right? And, and that's that's not how Jesus or his, the early church sure. really were countercultural or, or that, that, you know, they didn't do that by 
protesting yeah. or w- whatever. Um, so uh, some, uh, some I, I guess I, I've outlined four different uh, at least thoughts of why this statement, love the sinner, hate the sin, we're, we're going to beat it up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't like it. I'll be honest. I don't like it. So I'm yeah, ready yeah. to beat it up. Okay. I, I, I think it's exactly, I experienced it exactly as you said at the beginning. It feels a little bit simplified and yeah. it's more like an excuse to do the behavior we want to do anyways, instead of being challenged to do something radically different. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, um, I've heard that statement almost exclusively around the LGBTQ conversation. Hmm. Like what doesn't happen is, hey, hey, Sung, I love you, but I hate your gluttony. Right. Like or greed. Yeah. I mean, that's another huge one. Or gossip. Like you don't hear this phrase mm. used with the interesting. So there's almost like a double standard. Mm. Now, so I will say I have heard it in in the context of alcohol or drug addiction. Okay. But it's it is not used consistently, mm. and it's used like we were talking about just as a way to justify. Um, and at the same time, let me say, I, I uh, there is tension, mm. mm-hmm. a- and sometimes just this this might be a simplified way to try to get rid of the tension. Yeah. But we've talked about this a lot in other episodes and different things. Like there, there's value in walking in the tension and not needing to like escape from it. That's so good that I can, I can absolutely see that it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable issue. It's especially uncomfortable as this listener wrote in when it becomes very, very personal, right? It's one thing to sort of have those conversations in your mind. It's another thing when it's someone that you know and love and have a relationship with that tension can feel unbearable. Yeah. And so it can be an easy way to sort of be like, I just need to get free of this discomfort. Right. Right. Mm, That's good. So I I think the second issue, which is kind of related to the first one, is like this 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 posture or this statement is very confusing to people because it's really hard to differentiate who I am and what I do or what what I love. Yeah. So I imagine if somebody says to me, or or let's say somebody says to you, Nate, I love you, but I hate your heterosexuality. Right. I, in, in my mind, I'm like, well, there's not really a very, there's not really a line, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that both affirming people and people in the LGBTQ community would say that. Like, there isn't a line between mm-hmm. my, uh, my attraction and who I am or, you know, my, so, I, Yeah. I can, I can see that being confusing. Yeah. I mean, if somebody said, it's like, well, okay, uh, I'm not sure what to do with that. Yeah. Or something, let's think of something else that's really close to our hearts. If you were to say to me, Nate, I love you, man, but I hate the farm. <laughs> I'd be like, well, man, you get, you can't have one without the other, bro. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is where I live and yeah. think and spend my time. So, yeah. um, or if somebody said, Sung, I love you, but I hate the church. That yeah, yeah. that would be like, ah, there's not really, I'm not experiencing the difference or the, the line isn't clear enough that I can understand what you're saying right, right now. Right, right. Or, or I imagine saying to my wife, Amy, I love you, but I hate your cooking. Mm. Which yeah. I do love your cooking, Amy. <laughs> Good <laughs> but, cover. But, or, or, and there's a sense of, you know, love me, you gotta love my dog, mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and especially those who are same-sex attracted who have never chosen these feelings. Mm. It can be pretty confusing. Yeah. 
Um, and, and does saying this communicate love? Absolutely not. No. Um, and it's it's saying I love you, but there's a part of you that I don't love. Right. And it, it's just you know. And, and again, l- let's just admit. Uh, there's a sense of I don't know how to deal with the situation, yeah. and it's very conditional, mm-hmm. which it is, uh, which n- <laughs> never feels good. <laughs> that never feels good, you know. Um, so that's another part of it. Yeah. Number three. Okay, we're just moving along. Um, uh, in saying this statement, love the sinner, hate the sin, has. Anyone ever been won over by that statement? Oh man, <laughs> I'm glad we're I'm glad we're getting into this because again, I think that the the concept of speaking truth, we fool ourselves into thinking we're doing it for the other person, right? And in many cases, we're not. Like we again, we're trying to sort of reconcile our own discomfort or galvanize our own system of beliefs. And that's why we want to do it. Not because, like you said, that is literally there have been studies. That's not that's not how people's minds are changed. It is 100 percent not. And in fact, you regularly see it the other way where someone who is um, sort of anti LGBTQ uh, and then when they actually encounter a person. Yeah their opinion is changed because there's a face on it and there's like a real, like this is a person. It's not. So that is how, that is how minds are changed through relationship, uh, not through argumentation. Well, and I think you saying that too, like homosexuality is not an issue. It's people. It's good. Right. And so we want to make it an issue to debate when there are people that we're called to love. Yeah. And I, I could hear some people objecting, like, like well, well, but what about the, this or that? Well, okay, like, so you, you, you have a son who's a, who's a drug addict. Are you going to stop loving him? Right. right. Um, so, uh, again, let, let's sit in that first. Yeah. Um, one, one author, Preston Sprinkle, he says, Jesus fronted love <laughs> um, without qualification or footnotes, right? He fronted, that, that was a front door. We want to we, we want to front truth. Yep. Yep. So let, can we just sit in that like what does it look like to front with love? I mean, so I may have shared this story before, but I, I remember when I was in training to be a spiritual director. Um, the guy teaching the class actually put an example out there where he said, What if one of your directees came to you and said, um, I am I, I am married, but I've met someone outside my marriage that I'm incredibly attracted to, and I'm going to start pursuing a, a relationship with them. I'm going to start committing adultery, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, what should you do? And again, we're a group of people that are like well-versed in right <laughs> and wrong, and we're there because we want to see. So people were immediately saying, well, you would say this, and you would say this, and you would say this, and you would say this. And he's like, you would say none of those things mm-hmm. because your job is to point that person towards Jesus and trust that Jesus is going to bring the transformation. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we wrestled with that for like two <laughs> hours because it's so hard to, to put, to, to not say, well, look, there's some, I have an opinion, you know, um, that I need to put out there instead of simply saying, and this is what he said you should say, tell me more about that. Yeah. And this is going to freak people out, but he said, you should say, Tell me how pursuing this relationship outside of your 
marriage is bringing you closer to Jesus? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. We were freaking out. We're like, why would you even ask that? It's not <laughs> possible. But he was like, no, you need to like right. you need to understand that you need if you continue to point them towards Jesus, he will bring the transformation. Yeah. But again, the the it's just like we we so want to put uh, the truth out there right at the front. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there are there are extreme benefits to coming at it. The, well, I mean, this just sounds silly, but the way Jesus did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so anyways, yeah. And, and it's never my job to change anybody. Oh, that's good, Sung. And the, the fact is, I can't. Oh, man. I can't even change myself. Dude, you're preaching truth right now. It's <laughs> like it's like hitting me. It's hitting me. Uh, yeah, because that's right, isn't it? And, and I would even say every time when you read through the New Testament, someone wants to point out sin in others. Jesus always points it back to them. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's just something to remember. Um, Sorry, it, it, listener, who put this question <laughs> out there. None of this is personally directed at you. No, and, and you know what? I have a story that I'm going to wait till the next episode to tell too. But I, I, let me just say this: uh, I, you know, my crack internet research team named Google. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, not that high budget. No. Yet. <laughs> uh, I, I think this quote goes back to St. Augustine, like 400 AD. Um, but I think, and so it's come up and people say that. It's an easy kind of, you know, aphorism that people remember. I think people misunderstand the intent, and I'm no expe- expert in what his intent was, but I could give a, another example of how people misinterpret it. What, what, what's that one statement that I, I think was St. Francis of Assisi? Um, preach the gospel preach, at all times. Yes, preach the gospel, all, uh, use words when necessary. When necessary. Yeah. And so people misinterpret that to say, well, I, all I got to do is live a good life. I never have to p- tell people my story. Mm. You know, I, I've heard people say that to me. Like, oh, if I just live a good life, my neighbors will ask me, why are you such a good person? And, and St. Francis says, well, when, if necessary, use right. words. And so it's, it's not necessary. I'll just live my life. Mm. It, in fact, when you look at St. Francis's life, he, he used words all the time. He, he used words all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the dude even preached to animals. Yeah. And so, like, we, we, we take these ancient sayings out of context. We truncate them. We reduce them and simplify them. Um, and, and even apply them in a way that makes us more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being challenged by them, we use them as an excuse to justify our behavior. Yeah. And Thankfully, I never do that. So. No, I mean, <laughs> you never do. You never do. I mean, and, and so these people might object, and, and we said this. Does I mean, doesn't Jesus hate sin? Yes. But do you know whose sin he's opposed to? Mine. Not other people's. Right, and so, and I've seen this around, and I think uh, again, this can be reductionistic too. But I think I think a counter slogan would be "Love the sinner and hate your own sin." Oh man, you know, hate the two by four in your own eye. Oh, that's right. That's a pretty. That's a a literal example he gave, isn't it? Yeah. Before you hate the speck in the other person's eye. I mean, uh, right, Nate? Nate, You and I were just uh, with some church leaders last night. Yeah. And this issue came up. Yep. And it was just like, what are we going to do with these people who compromise? Yeah. Yep. It was like, well. <laughs> it was a full stop, yeah. really. And, mm-hmm. and there was a, a sense of superiority and judgment, even before, like, instead of a gentleness and a humility. 
man, there's so much more to say about this. Uh, 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 yeah, there's a story I want to tell. I, I, I want to look at G, the the story about the woman caught in adultery. Man, we, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that uh, the next episode. Okay. But this, I mean, uh, and and uh, I'll tackle the the fourth objection, which I. I uh, I, I don't remember. That's why it needs to be the next episode. Okay. I mean, so so if we go back to sort of like the, this initial question, the yeah. question was, when is the right time to speak truth? We will cover that next episode. But I also think that part of what you're saying is that but that's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do I love someone yeah. who has sort of, and let's be honest, it's taken a tremendous step of vulnerability. Yeah. Is, is probably working very, very hard to um, know themselves and acknowledge uh, their own identity. Uh, do any of us perfectly understand who God created us to be and who we should be? No. Let's right. just put that out there. Yeah. Um, but this person is trying to do that. I mean, I think the other thing that we haven't talked about at all would be if uh, if this, was it like a, brother-in-law or a cousin or something uh yeah uh my brother-in-law came out to his wife's family if they have any sort of level of faith at all Mm -hmm. and for me that is a profound question that you cannot let's let's just say let's just say that you're right that this is a sin that should be hated and jesus spoke against it like he never applied his standards of righteous living he applied that to the religious leaders, yeah. right? People that were outside of faith, there was no sort of like, get it right before you can come in the door. Yeah, He was like, come in the door, and now let's talk about how your life is going to be transformed. Yeah. yeah. So that's, for me, that's an important distinction because I think there are, are plenty of Christians who feel that they have to sort of draw that line um, everywhere. Yep. And again, that's just not the model we were given. No. And I think, uh, and I do at the end of the next episode want to, Come to some more clues, more than beating up the statement. Come, uh, there's there's some other clues. I uh, for for me that's been super helpful in understanding and really has transformed uh, how I even think about questions like this. Mm. Um, and we're gonna start off by talking about the the woman caught in adultery because some people will, will say, well, Jesus said, leave your life of sin, right? And he did. Yep. But how, how do you walk in this tension? There there's some things that happened in that story that even before he said that, yeah. That we're going to look at. I have a great, I have a great story about that as well. But you're going to have to wait until next week. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a big topic. I'm excited to continue to dive into it, and I'm excited for you to join us as we do so. We will catch you on the next one. <laughs>